right? So please welcome Naomi Wallace. So um, Eric didn't mention this part, but I also um, just in the past year have been the women's ministry director of the community church. And, but ministry is not something I ever expected I was going to go into, specifically ministry with women. I had no desire to do that. Um, but I have learned over the years, you don't tell God what you're not going to do because he'll change your mind for you. Um, but the road to where I'm at now really started about 10 years ago. And I had, you know, zero desire to go on a mission trip overseas. It was just not something I was interested, not at all. But I was going through a study by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. Has anyone ever done that study? Just curious. It's a really good study, right? It's really good. If you haven't done it, I highly encourage it. But in the study, he said that often what we try to do is determine what we want to do for God, what we're comfortable with, what we're okay with doing, and then saying, oh, God, can you bless me now? He said, instead, what we really need to be doing is asking, looking for where God is already at work, and then join him there. And so that really struck a chord with me. And so as I was going through the study, I was praying and saying, okay, God, where is it that you want me? What is it you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to join you in your work? And around that same time, our church, Hope Community Church in Andover, was getting ready to do this three-year push. They wanted to send people on mission trips around the, the U.S. and across the world. And I had zero desire to go anywhere I was comfortable. I, I wanted to stay home. I could do stuff in the U.S. That was fine. But I, I went to the, or the, the kickoff meeting because I, I just wanted to know what they were doing. You know, I didn't really want to jump in on anything. I just wanted to know what they were doing. And so we went and we listened, and they were talking about the first trip they were going to do was going to be to Haiti. And I thought, great, y'all have fun with that. Not for me. And I was reading this pamphlet that they had put together that had all of the um, mission trips listed of where they were going to go. And I got to the one about Haiti, and my heart started to race, and I started to get kind of shaky, and I just sat in shock. And I, I turned to Keith, who was sitting beside me, and I said, I think I'm supposed to go to Haiti. And he was just like, what? I'm like, I don't understand it either, but I think I'm supposed to go to Haiti. And he, I'm pretty sure, thought I was nuts. Um, you know, the trip was only two months away. I had to get my passport. It was going to cost around $1,600, which is not money that we had at that time. But I knew I'm supposed to go. I don't know why. I don't know what God's doing. But I had been praying, God, where do you want me to join you? And he was saying, Haiti, that's where you're going. And so I signed up. And that was a trip full of firsts for me. It was the first time in my life that I was in the racial minority. I mean, I've, I've never been a minority before. That was a new experience, and it opened my eyes to realize just how isolated that I was in my community. Everybody I live around looks like me, talks like me, dresses like me. And I was just, I mean, talk about a culture shock. I'd never been through that before. It was the first time in my life that I can truly say I experienced spiritual warfare. Um, when people would say, oh, Satan's doing this, Satan's doing this, I was like, yeah, right, that was just your stupid decision. But then 
going to a place where there is such a contrast between good and evil, all of a sudden it was like, oh, this spiritual thing, this is real. This isn't a joke. There was one particular area of town that we walked through that just walking through it, you just felt this oppressive presence almost, just hatred just flowing. It was the first time um, that I saw poverty. I had never seen true poverty before. And we were in a feeding center, this, the one that you see on the screen. And we were helping feed about 75 kids. And there was one little girl in particular, the little girl in the red dress. And she was so malnourished, um, so dehydrated that we were struggling even to wake her up to feed her. And for most of these kids, this is the only meal they're going to get for the day, maybe for a few days. And I remember thinking, God, I'm watching a child die. What is this? And so all of those first just were kind of a shock to my system, mentally, spiritually, physically, all of that. But one first in particular is what set me on the course to where I'm at now. Because that trip was the first trip where I can honestly say that I felt God used me to accomplish something. And so it wasn't until the end of the trip that I really understood what it was that God had called me there for, like why he called me. Because the last three days of our trip, we had decided we were going to do a VBS. And since I was the only one on the trip that had ever taken part in a VBS, which by that point had happened one time, that made me the most qualified person to plan it. So, okay, I'll step into that, sure. And so I had planned it before we ever left with the intention of turning it over to the missionary we were serving with, who, by the way, is Jan Thompson, who just happens to be from El Dorado. If every, anyone, I saw someone back there knows Jan. Um, so I prepared this material thinking, okay, I'm going to give it to Jan or her kids because they're the ones that are always here. It needs to be them up there teaching. That made sense to me. And so I told Jan, clear at the beginning of our trip, hey, I've prepared the VBS material for you. Um, I think it'd be great for you to teach it. And she just looked at me and smiled. She said, I don't think so. Why don't you pray about it? I was like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, just pray about it. I said, okay. So I spent an entire week in a foreign country praying, God, are you wanting me to teach VBS? <laughs> Please say no. <laughs> um, and it became very clear, you are supposed to teach. And so I went to Jan the night before VBS, and I said, Jan, I think I'm supposed to teach VBS. She's like, I know. I was just waiting for you to figure that out. And so I did. Uh, when I got up to speak at VBS, I had no message written out. I had no notes. I had no idea what I was going to say. I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. But I had spent the night before just in prayer and studying scripture, just over and over again going, God, what is it you want me to say? Just help me to be a vessel. Speak through me. Help them to hear your voice with my vocal cords. Lord, what is it you want them to hear? And so for three days, God used me, inexperienced, unqualified me to teach over 200 kids about the gospel. And during the second day of teaching, um, I remember teaching them about Easter and because um, I'd heard there was like a Haitian ceremony that they would do where they'd celebrate, you know, the day that Satan won by killing Jesus on the cross. 
And so I, I had heard about that, and so I was teaching him about Easter, saying, you know, Easter is the day we celebrate that Jesus won, that he beat sin and death, and Satan did not win that day. And when I said that, we started hearing these angry men outside the church just yelling, Monte, 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 over and over again. I was just like, okay, someone's upset about something, and I just kept on going. I found out later that night that they were yelling liar because they didn't like what I said. And, you know, instantly I'm like, okay, I'm never going back. I'm not, I'm not doing that again. But then God's like, no, you're here for a purpose. We're going to finish this. And so the next day, which was the last day of VBS, for the first time in my life, I presented the gospel. I mean, I... I was 33, 35 years old at the time, had never been a part of leading anybody to Christ until God took me overseas. And then speaking that gospel message to over 200 kids, and when we asked if anyone wanted to come forward, we had 30, 35 kids come rush forward. And you know, the cynic in me was like, oh, did they really understand it? Did they really get it? But there's one kid in particular, you can't really see him in the picture, but just looking at him, he just had tears streaming down his face. It's like, okay, God, you spoke to him. And from that point forward, I knew this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know who, but I am supposed to teach the word of God. And I truly feel that it was that moment, that trip to Haiti, that God called me to a teaching ministry. You know, he could have called me when I was still here in the States. He didn't have to take me to a foreign country to call me. But I think what he had to do is get me to a place where I had to be truly dependent on him. Not on myself, not on my comfort, not on my ability, but to a place that I was completely broken, completely vulnerable to where I would cry out and say, God, just make me a vessel. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he knew that he couldn't get me here he wouldn't be able to reach me as well if I was here in my comfort zone. And so you would think, returning home from a trip like that, that I would be like raring to go, like let's go again. And I had zero desire to go back to Haiti. Did not want to go back. Um, I recognized it as the place that God called me to ministry, but I also recognized it as a place um, where I experienced intense spiritual warfare. I ex I, it was a place that... Um, was hard. It grew me so much, but it was a hard enough experience. I didn't want to repeat it. Anybody been through any of those? You know, you're glad you went through the journey, but let's not journey again. That's kind of where I was. But yet God moved in my family, and my husband especially kind of took the reins on, okay, we're going to start doing trips as a family. Where are we going to go? One of those first trips was with Eric, um, and one of the things I noticed with my kids is that me going opened them up to this idea of what missions was. Because on that trip with you, I don't know if you remember this, but my son was like, okay, when do we go teach people about Jesus? I mean, he was ready. He's like, let's go. And so Eric gave him an opportunity to teach the other kids that were on the trip, and he got to present this gospel message. Um, my daughter would walk around the backyard with an empty box and she'd come inside. She's like, Mom, I need more Bibles. I'm like, what? She's like, I need more Bibles because she was pretending to be a missionary. I mean, that became, that's just what they knew. That's, that's what we did. And so we would go on these short-term trips. Um, the last time we were overseas as a family was in 2014 to Romania. But I still was like, I'm not going back to Haiti. No way. It's going to take an act of God to get me back to Haiti. 
And so then 2015, with the encouragement of Keith, I entered seminary to get training to be a teacher. Still felt very strongly that that was my call. And and then a couple years into seminary, into the fall of 2012, um, in one of my classes, I learned that women overseas, the number of Christians that have any type of theological training, especially in women, is very, very small. And so God just spoke in my heart in that moment, and I determined right then and there, okay, I'm going to start looking for short-term trips that I can go and train and teach women overseas. So I came home. I told Keith, I said, hey, I think um, this is what God's speaking. I think I need to be looking for these trips to go overseas and train women. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. That, That fits your giftedness. That's perfect. And because God has a sense of humor, within a week, I received an email, an unasked for email. Um, My professor had sent it to me, and there was a gal that used to be at my seminary, was now working with Children's Relief International, and she was in charge of organizing trips to take women overseas to train women. And I was like, yes, God's answering this. This is awesome. So I'm getting excited. My heart's pumping. And then I read the location, and it was to Haiti. I said, God, are you kidding me? But God and I had been on quite the journey by that point, and so I just, for a second, was like, really? And then I was like, okay. And I remember just kind of forwarding the email to Keith with the subject line, guess who's going to Haiti again? Because he knew I didn't want to go back. And he knew that I had said it was going to take an act of God to get me there. And it was like, well, here it is. So we're going. I kind of feel like, um, at least for me, that God was using that location specifically for that first trip to confirm his calling to me. He's like, this is where I called you, so this is where I'm going to bring you back so we can start it off right. So my intention, until God tells me differently, is to go on at least one trip a year. Um, I'd love to go on more. It just depends on time and money. But at least one trip a year to train women. So I've now been back to Haiti twice, um, doing women's conferences and working with some of the kids there. And then next month, I'm actually headed to a new location, which is to Myanmar. So if you can forward it one slide... Um, these are some pictures from uh, the last two trips I've done to Haiti. And I love these trips. They are challenging. They can be uncomfortable. Um, drinking a little bit of Haitian water can make you sick. Been there, done that. But every single trip, God has shaped me and molded me. And as I was preparing today, I just kind of wanted to come away with like kind of like some sound bites, some little nuggets that you can hold on to. And and Keith and I talked, it's like, you know, why do we go overseas? Because it's really easy to say, well, that money could be better spent giving it to the missionaries or giving it to this or, or giving it this and just stay here. But we both agreed that we feel like part of the reason we are called to go, at least for us, for our family, the reason we are called to go overseas is because God needs to take us out of our comfort zone. Um, I remember the first time we went to Romania, we had done some mission trips in the United States, and we were talking, okay, where are we going to go next? And I remember telling Keith, I need to get out of the States. I need to get to where I can see God again. Because here, we're so comfortable. We don't have to depend on him because we have so much. We know we're going to get another meal. We know we're going to be fed. We know we're going to have a house with heat or air conditioning. And I needed to get out. I needed to get where I could see him. But this is my list of little nuggets. If God says go, then go. 
don't fight against it because he's calling you to go because he's got something he wants to teach you. And for whatever reason, wherever it is, that's the location where that lesson's going to happen. So if God calls you to go, go. Um, Second, mission trips are just as much about what God is teaching you as it is about how he's using you to serve others. Um, I think anybody who's ever been on a mission trip can agree with that. You're always learning about God through what you're doing, through being a vessel for him. Every trip, I've learned to trust God more, and every trip, he's stripped away just a little bit more of that selfishness, that self-centeredness in me. Third thing, be flexible. Not all your supplies are going to arrive. Nothing is going to happen on schedule, right? Nothing. Um, Yeah, that happens anytime Eric's around, but no... (laughs) We love you. But, I mean, you just got to learn to be flexible. You know, we are so used to having things our way and the way I think it needs to happen in this. Just let it go and let God take care of the details. Um, Fourth, the world is full of hurting people. You know, the U.S. is full of hurting people. That's one thing we've heard a lot. It's like, well, stay here. There's a lot of hurting people here. Yes, there are But I think we get so accustomed to them that we become desensitized to even seeing them. But once you go into a new culture, a new environment, all of a sudden you're shocked by what to them is normal. Um, In Haiti, it happens to be um, in certain areas, they will actually bar you from entering the church if you're not dressed appropriately. In Romania, it's the gypsies that are, you know, the outcasts of society that are ignored, that are rejected. You know, you go and you see that, and all of a sudden your eyes are open to the hurt of people so that when you come back to the States, your heart is tuned to the hurt, and you'll start to see things in your own areas, your own neighborhoods that maybe you overlooked before. So that's part of going over into another culture is it softens your heart to see the hurt around you. Um, getting out of your comfort zone will test how much you really trust God. You know, I love my comfort zone. It's the biggest reason I never went on a mission trip before 2010. But stepping out of it, you have no one to trust about God. So then it becomes, are you going to trust him or are you not? Six, God is always at work, but not always in the same way. My first trip was pretty intense and dramatic and, like, altered the course of my life. I have not had a trip like that since. Um, Not every trip is going to be this big, huge, amazing thing, and that's okay. And finally, we're not all called to the the same location or to the same service, but we are all called to go. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, or sorry, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, we may be called to serve here in El Dorado. We may be called to serve somewhere in the United States, or we may be called to serve globally. God will call you somewhere, but are you listening for that call? If you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then you are a witness to him wherever he places you. Are you taking advantage of those opportunities, whether it's at work or at school? You are to be a witness for him. As far as service, we all serve in different ways. I'm called to teach. My husband is not. He's a servant. He works behind the scenes. He works with the widows at our church. He does, you know, IT stuff and um, 
he's the class clown of the mission trip, you know, that kind of breaks down barriers and, and all that. But we both go and we serve where our giftedness is. Don't feel like because you don't have this gift that you're not qualified or you don't have this gift so you're not qualified. You know, I think for a long time I didn't want to go because I felt like I had zero qualification. You know, but the Bible is full of people that were unqualified to do anything that God still called. You know, there's a, a saying, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. So don't let what you think about yourself keep you from serving God where he calls you. I want to leave you with two verses that I think sum up the heart of those who do any type of kingdom work, whether it's locally or missionally across the world. Um, Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then Isaiah 6, 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So my challenge to you as you go through these next um, several weeks, thinking globally, thinking missionally, look for where God is already at work and ask him, Lord, is this where you want me to join you? Is this where you want me to join you? Lord, where do you want me to join you? And then when he reveals that to you, instead of going, well, but it's going to make me uncomfortable, when he reveals that, say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Thanks. Thanks.